What's up, Hellfire Club? I'm Hunter. And I'm Tono. <laughs> and welcome back to Stranger, Stranger Thursdays. Thursdays. The hottest <laughs> and queerest Stranger Things recap podcast brought to you by Bangers Podcast. This episode, we will be covering... Um, chapter three and four of season four of stranger things starting with the monster and the superhero uh we open up this episode and suddenly it's aliens question mark get we're getting straight into it shit we're getting straight into it yeah i mean i guess if you're listening you heard last episode so let's get right in yeah Mm. they do like It does make you think that almost it is giving you like a very like flashing light season two of American Horror Story Asylum situation. <gasps> exactly. Like, That's why I thought about it. In, where they randomly like placed in the uh, the in aliens the in aliens that season. Uh, yeah, amazing. Exactly. amazing. But no, it's literally just like a helicopter landing at none other than Dr. Owens. home. From yes. uh, last, oh, he's been in. He's been here since season one. Uh, Dr. Season two. Owens. He's been here since season two. Okay, yeah, because he's who took over supposedly after Brenner was like kicked out of Hawkins' laboratory and killed. Okay, presumably. We yeah, we don't know that we don't we don't know if he's live alive or not. We yeah. we, we really just don't because know. That There's was a been, recap from before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so the government has come to uh, Sam Owens' home, and he's asking questions about the killings in Hawkins, because uh, they're they're basically like bringing all these things to him, and they're like, "Does this look familiar to other you?" Than like the kids, and other than Hopper, who's supposedly dead, and other than like Joyce and like Murray, maybe there's no other like adults who know about anything that's going on literally at all other than this guy mm. this is where we bring in the like bat we, we bring in like how we talked about last episode how we have like the right ra- we have like the police we have like the hawk we have like cops the fbi illuminati type people who know about what's happening in the upside down and then we have the police who think that like Eleven is essentially like a fucking murderer and a terrorist. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is what's happening here: is this man coming to, uh, I guess, like almost interrogate uh, Dr. Owens? Yeah, because he's coming at him like, uh, like he's going to be able to do something, and he's he says we have the military well, like strength to do it. He knows where Eleven is. Yeah. Yeah, well, he thinks he knows where Eleven is. Um, he's like, do you think it has something to do with this? He says that military strength isn't the answer, but, like, really, what is the answer? And that's when they that's when they bring in this photo of Eleven, and they're like, everything that's happened in Hawkins can be traced back to his little pet in reference to Brenner. So, uh, yeah, Brenner, yeah. Yeah, and we also get a season one flashback of Eleven killing all those lab agents in the school, Uh which which well, that yeah, scene itself has been referenced a couple her. of times with, with throughout the seasons. Yeah, the police did know about her. They think she's and a little Russian I'm terrorist. Pretty. That's what I was about to say. That they they think that she's like Russian. They have no idea about the stakes at hand. They literally never do. I mean, they know something's up, uh, and they do Definitely. know that they think it's murders. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the, and they do know that that so, so Sam has something to do with all of this. So they raid his house. They 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 go through his house. The the, the military is rude. And his wife. 
They're yeah. like 60 years old. Like They're just trying to chill somewhere. And then, it you was know, like aliens, but too. no. Yeah. <laughs> They're literally just in their little home in Nevada. Like, what the fuck? This is not a... Not a Aliens, just um, the reintroduction of a character that has a collect- that connection to Eleven, and there. And now we know that they are on the hunt for her. Yeah, they really want to. They really want to find her. Um, and then you know we we get into the opening credits, and then back at the roller rink. Angela <laughs> is sitting down at a booth and, you know, she's being questioned. Well, she's that's like, where we left off the last episode is Eleven whacking her. Whacked. And Angela is milking it. She's like, I'm at the roller rink, uh, I think. Uh, and everyone is so, so concerned for her. Okay, but, like, she looks like she has brain damage. Like, that, it really shocked me. I gotta say, the last episode, like... Yes, yes, it's deserved, but, like, I'm telling you, it had to have been hard for her to answer these questions. And I'm confused why Eleven is still there in the roller rink. I would have dipped out. I mean, I guess, like, they told her to stay because, like, she would have been arrested if she left. Well, they do end up leaving after, you know, they're, like, talking to Angela and stuff, and then... uh, they leave with Argyle and Jonathan, uh, and Argyle's well, trying to cheer them, them up. At the yeah, they they dropped him off there initially, because uh, it because it was Will's birthday, <laughs> and him and Jonathan are so high. But like, I'm I'm begging one of the writers of the show to smoke weed once, exactly it one makes time me for me. So angry. They're um, in the scene directly after they come home. They have a little family dinner, um, and all of a sudden, none but. Murray shows up at the Joyce house at the buyer's home, but Jonathan and like Jonathan and Argyle are so high in that scene as well. And literally Jonathan is like, can you pass the olive oil? And And Argyle's Argyle's like, like, dude, dude, that's that's wine. Like how stoned can you be? He's like 19. Like if he was like 14, I would have believed it. But like, Come on. Nar. Smoke weed once. Smoke Duffers, weed once. Please. I am not amused. And Eleven is not amused because she does not look very happy to see Murray here. And like Murray is trying to come up with this little convoluted story as to why he's there. Uh, totally not because they got a little weird package from Russia in the last episode. Uh, and they're you know, hiding that from the children. It, yeah. I, I feel like if I were Joyce, I would be like comforting Eleven a little more. I guess at this point, she doesn't know anything that's happened at the roller rink, and she's, like, very focused on realizing that her mans is still alive because she doesn't know that, but she thinks that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't even think she really gets told what happens at the roller rink because, you know, they're alluding to it. Yeah, they're barely alluding to it. Uh, uh, Jonathan and Argyle, because they're fucking stoned as hell. Yeah, but they keep talking about it, not mentioning Eleven or anything, and they're like, oh, yeah, she, you know, she looked fine, though. She got hit in the head with a roller skate pretty bad. She looked fine. And then Mike chimes in, she didn't look fine, and then Eleven storms off. Which is interesting. You'd think that, like, they would have had, like, a conversation about that in that situation or something, and, like, they do not. (laughs) Or, Or... or just like something, something more than what it is. Also, 
I watched a um, Stranger Things, like, behind-the-scenes day in the life of things that are happening, and there was a, a, a shot where Eleven is, or where Amelie is searching, looking for an outfit that she's supposed to have, that Eleven's supposed to have a heart-to-heart with somebody in, and she picks the outfit that she's wearing in this dinner scene. It's, like, a little, she, she changes before dinner, and she pops into, like, a uh, Blue's Clues Steve striped shirt that is supposed to be, like, Millie Bobby Brown says she Eleven would choose something that's maybe Mike's or something like that, and she picks this. Um, and they say that she's supposed to have, like, a heart-to-heart after that. And we don't see that in this episode, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe she, like, had, like, a fight with, like, Will and Mike, or, like, with Mike, maybe, and, like, it, it wasn't it did make the final cut or something like that. And it, that would have made a lot of sense in this spot for them to like fight about it. Because like, I understand that she doesn't have her powers and she is this 15 year old girl who has no idea how to control her anger. And the way she controlled it before wasn't okay. And like, I just feel like we're really lacking like a family emotional aspect of like how Eleven grows up because like we are aware that like, yeah. she's this person who's come, she's this alien that's come from this onto planet earth. And like, she's not an alien she's from here she was she's a human but she's got powers <laughs> and she's like she you know she barely knows english and stuff like that so i just feel like they'd teach her more and they'd give her that like teachable moment and something like that and knowing that that was the outfit she chose for that heart to heart makes me think that maybe hopefully we'll get a flashback to something that happened in season in volume two or they just cut it entirely and we're left with nothing for that little scene i don't know but i had to mention that and i'm glad that it came up i also <laughs> agree that i wish that there, there'd be some sort of like a little bit more of a family aspect to the season because as you'll see going forward like we really get caught up in all of the different storylines and the drama and the mystery on, yeah. yeah and of course there's like you know that's that's what we want to get into that's what we want to get into but like we don't have a lot of time to get into the more family aspect we don't aspects of it we don't have time to see joyce be a mom we don't really have time to see will be a brother uh but like i am just hoping i i'm hoping that we might get some more of it um i also really want to know what slime 11 is because i need to know what kind of response just getting up and leaving was i would like to know can you look What's that up for her me? birthday what is like can you I look it up for me right know. now i don't think it's known it's 11 sign yeah wait what is 11's birthday i feel like it's known i don't think so from stranger things i feel like it would be th- oh maybe uh, 11, November 4th, 1984. November 4th, 1984. So she's a Scorpio. <laughs> she's a Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I that fits, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that does fit. That's, that's so funny. funny. Well, instead of a heart-to-heart, her uh, she just lays in her bed, uh, and then we get more flashes of that scene from episode one uh, from the flashback as Eleven is torn uh, about her actions at the roller rink. Uh, and then we Which flip sense. into the upside-down. Uh, from this and we see more of those bat things from last episode and vines and vecna and the vines puncture his body as he raises from the ground he is so scary like i wish like if he didn't use all these like human souls charging port vine upside down meat flesh things like it would i don't know it'd be a little less nasty yeah because you get all this the squelching noises and whatnot and also, I think it has something to do with the score. Like, we hear some synth in the score. But Just most to of remind it is... you that he's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the squelching noises. They should put some gold squelching noises in the score. Uh, like, most of the score is, like, in this scene in particular, is grand with, like, a sinister piano and chimes. And then some uh, synth uh, be- that 
like replicates brass instruments because I was listening to it pretty carefully. I don't think that it's brass instruments. I think it's synth, but I think that's a lot of the th- a lot of something that season four incorporates into it is a lot more um, orchestral vibes and more like oh, grand sinister, agree. yeah, sinister stuff into the score with the synth. It's very much more like horror this season like specifically like pulling from like horror movies and that just might be like the type of like 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 what happened to chrissy last it was in episode two one one okay okay damn first killing right away of course uh and fred too just like the way that they like did like the way they killed their body like the bones snapping the faces like the bones cracking and it's very like it's not exorcist but it's we're getting more modern with our like references and you know it's it's good to know do you think like the the 69 joke is a modern joke or do you think it's existed since the dawn of time because the next scene we open up it says speed limit is 69 (laughs) Well, it's it's a speed limit sign that was just like taken in a taken in this like abandoned home. No, no, it's the abandoned diner um, that eleven. It is. It's the abandoned uh, diner that eleven like broke into and ate fries in the first episode of Stranger That's Things. That's wild. And uh, the I didn't KGB that. or who? Not the KGB. Whoever is in behind all this, the Illuminati cops, the upside down police. They came in and they shot Ben. And now his and Benny, the owner of the diner, Benny's diner, and now it is abandoned. And there was just this like now it's just like a trap house abandoned place. And there was a little speed limit sign that said speed limit 25. But they graffitied over it 69 because, you know, it's funny. It's definitely a long time joke for sure. Yeah. And Lucas wakes up back at this house. Um, I don't know. I want to know where his parents think he is. Uh, And apparently the jocks are packing up their car and they're going on for a hunt. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's always at the wheels. How rude of them not to wake him up. It's so like, that's so annoying when... They they didn't say anything. They were just hey, we're packing the tr- the truck with blunt objects, and we're going on a quote unquote friendly neighborhood chat. Do you want to come? Like, is they literally right scene? out say that they're going on a hunt. They are, but then they're they also flat out say friendly neighborhood chat. They said we're preparing for the hunt, gearing up. Like how scary! Before they say like who that they are searching for. This is alluding to the bad guys realize, uh, thinking that Eddie Munson is the killer of Chrissy, um, this man's boyfriend. Yeah, so they're on a hunt for him, and then uh, Lucas is presented with an out, like he can go with them, but the the main dude, main jock dude, is like, you know, you don't need to come, but Lucas says he's in, so Lucas goes with them. Which honestly, like. I see that he's very worried and you you can tell that Lucas is like in no way becoming like a villain or bad guy. He's literally just like going to honestly probably protect his friends because he knows of all people that like it's fine and that. Well, I think uh, you can see that he's a little, just a little bit concerned for his or friends, scared. or like, yeah. and, uh, but also a little bit skeptical and mostly scared. So he's that, that's like, what I mean, I, like. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he wants the jocks to turn on him, so he just kind of has to go. Uh, and then, he like, he really know, doesn't have a choice in this situation. Yeah, yeah, and they're all talking no game right now, so he's just hearing the things that, that what, what they say they're going to do. They're just going to go talk to them, um, threaten them, maybe not beat them up. Is what I'm thinking. He thinks is going to happen, but you know, yeah. 
they're looking for Eddie. The police are definitely looking for Eddie. And back at Reefer Rick's little boathouse, uh, Robin <laughs> is trying to convince Eddie, uh, you know, that, well, sorry, Dustin is trying to convince Eddie that you know, everything is fine, even though they are definitely looking for him. And then Robin tries to convince him that this is something they've all been through before and they can do it again. When you have to give somebody the lowdown on the fact that the upside down exists and that there's monsters and that before you had somebody with superpowers to fight them, but now it's harder this time because it's just you. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, but, and right now you're in the brainstorming phase, you know. And he's traumatized from like still seeing that happen. Like, poor Eddie, give this man, like, give some. Where's Rick? Bring some. Reaper. Where's Rick? Bring some. <laughs> Where Reaper. is Rick throughout all this? Will we see him? Will we get to meet Rick? Oh my God! I really hope we get to meet a reefer Rick. That'd be awesome. He's still in prison right now, but maybe he gets out of oh, prison and maybe he saves oh, the day. He's in prison. That's yeah. fucking hilarious. I love that for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and post all this happening, the giving Eddie the lowdown, we cut to back at the crime scene where disposable uh, Fred is dead. Disposable Fred is dead. The bodies are brutal. The bodies are left just brutal. Like, That's what I'm saying. It's bad. Horrifying. Um, so just to confirm, just another death taken by none other than Fekna. And Nancy is being questioned by police at the scene of the crime. And she mentions Victor Creel um, because she got a little story time from the... Uh, uh, Eddie's uncle uh, last episode uh, but the police assure her that he is behind bars as she's getting questioned uh, the Eddie protector crew pulls up and everyone just gives her a glance as they get out of the car and in one moment in one glance Nancy knows that something is fucking up oh cause like when you see Mike Oh, no, Mike. Uh, when you see Dustin, Steve Robin and Max and, like, now Eddie Munson together. Like, actually, no, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. It was just everybody but him. But, like, you just know that group together, like, that's it's not looking good. It's not looking good. She knows that it's back. <laughs> and then suddenly somebody new is let in on what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's not looking good there. And it's not really looking good back at the buyer's home because we see two egos never eaten. Saddest story <laughs> in the world. Literally, you know when Eleven doesn't eat her egos, that something's up. <laughs> it's just getting serious with this. And, you know, Mike is, like, fed up with all this. Uh, he goes to bring Elle her breakfast while she's fixing her diorama. <laughs> Which is so funny that, like... It's so funny that, like, this is, that's, like, a, a thing. Like, it really, that's really, like, a sign of the times, uh, that her, her diorama. So Mike comes up to talk to Elle, and he's like, are we going to talk about this? Uh, and, like, I just, like, don't, I don't really understand, like, really what's what's happening here. And you can tell he's, like, how do you he's feel concerned. like he's... concerned. He is yeah, concerned. Like, they're literally twinning in the in this scene. Like they're both wearing like essentially the same exact flannel. But it, it does seem like he's costuming he's department hit, knew, what, knew what they were doing. 
exactly. They definitely did. It, it does seem like he's concerned, but at the same time, Mike Weird really doesn't, like, go about things in the greatest way sometimes. Sometimes he can be, like, aggressive, and, like, she's... He doesn't know this, but she is so traumatized by, like, doing things wrong and, like, getting in trouble and by fucking hurting people because she's done it so many times before and, like, I'm sure she hates herself for it and for him to like come in and be like so we're just not gonna talk about it is a little bit pointed but at the same time i know it's coming from a good place because he cares he cares and he like literally he just he doesn't get it he's like i need you to help me yeah i know she's just really feeling like she doesn't belong she says i don't belong and it's truly a nuanced situation there's no one like her of course she feels out of place and i feel like you know as pointed as mike is i feel like he's going through this little conversation they're having this little little skerfuffle i think he's doing everything almost uh, everything almost correct he's doing what he can except for saying i love you because he says i care for you so much he says i i want to care for you and and l brings up all of his all of his letters and she's she's like from mike from mike from mike you don't say it anymore and like i think he did like once but like, i mean at the same time like he's 14 like what can we expect but it's just it's interesting that he think that he feels that way because you think that he would love her back but at the same time like being 15 and like having a long distance relationship in the 80s i cannot imagine like they communicate through letters and probably the phone sometimes yeah oh that must be expensive cross day lines very much Mm, yeah mm. stamps exactly yeah Um, but i feel like the little speech he gives at the end there he's like don't let these mouth breathers get to you get to us you know you're a superhero is would be like a really good speech if he just ended it with i love you because you know all he's all he's really saying is all this these things that she used to be and you know with this saying i'm a superhero and she he, sees he, it. he likes her because like how she saved the world and stuff like that and now she's like i don't have any powers anymore i she am says, not anymore not yeah anymore yeah and then the police show up and it gets scary again uh the police are looking for jane and jonathan's like yeah she lives here why would you say that first of all I know it's bad to lie to the police, but, like, maybe you should. Because he's high. That's why. Okay, T. But at the same time, if you're high and the cops show up, like, I just, I would be like, no. But at the same time, (laughs) she comes out into frame directly after that. And I thought that was hilarious. Like, but in the 80s, you want to see who's, you want to see who's at the door, you know? Right, right. They don't, sure they don't they got thought, a ring. I'm pretty sure they actually thought it was their mom um, saying something. They, she forgot something. Oh, something right, like right, right, right. Okay, that that makes sense. That's why you would just open up the door. But apparently, Angela's bitch ass got a warrant, and then Elle's put in handcuffs. Handcuffs and shoved into a cop car. And Mike is so desperately... Like trying to convince Eleven that it's okay, he's got this. He can fix this. Fix this. All he has to do is all she has to do is trust him. But like she's being swooshed away in in a cop car. Like how how can yeah, Mike fix this? That's horrifying. Literally, I honestly don't think that he can. But it is just like so sad to watch her go away in the car and him just standing there. Cause like what is what is this fourteen year old gonna do? Hop's not around to just bail her out anymore. Oh, true. Um, then we cut to the plane um, where 
uh, Murray and uh, Joyce are headed to Alaska to supposedly like exchange $40,000 for Hopper. Hopefully. Hopefully. You know, Murray's trying to convince uh, Joyce that everything's going to be fine with the kids. They're going to play Nintendo, smoke too much ganja, drink some beers, sexual experimentation, etc. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I feel like all those things are probably definitely going to happen. Yeah. Monsters, maybe monsters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as they... They they fly off, you know. They're having the little buddy moment. She she buckles her seatbelt because the the uh, airline lady was like, um, excuse me, you need to buckle your seatbelt. Actually, and, and Murray was like, thanks, uh, with the look that only said bitch. Uh, he that's literally that was a great Murray impression. Also, they had to show somebody smoking on the airplane just as a sign of the times. Literally, as they oh, opened yep. that scene, it was just like someone smoking on the airplane. Yeah. Um, Jesus, imagine that. Yeah. Well, she puts on the seatbelt and she says, like, this is really going to save us if we crash. And she says that the first time I'm watching this, I'm in, I'm on a plane. I'm in the air. <laughs> okay. So that's hilarious because I, oh wait, I, I watched it like, oh wait, maybe I didn't watch this season. Maybe it was a different one. I don't really remember. Maybe I did watch this on a... I'm pretty sure I did watch this on a plane and it, that, that line went right over my head. Or maybe, oh, you did? You, you texted me about it. I did? Oh, okay. That's hilarious. But yeah, I, I did. I also watched this on the plane, so that's kind of camp. <laughs> kind of camp. Kind of camp. And then Hopper is at a camp. Not a fun camp, but he is alive. Um, and, you know, he's arguing with a guard. It looks like he's going to get the shit kicked out of him. Um... But look, it's the guard from the phone call. And he tells Hopper that everything is happening according to plan. Uh, he's going to have this random pilot, you know, help fly him out. It's going to be all good. And he's like, this pilot, you know, do you trust him? And of course he trusts him. He brings some peanut butter, Playboys, he's cigarettes. He's the best one. He's yeah. the best one. And then Hopper's like, those American goods. Exactly. Yeah. And Hopper's like, he's a criminal. And like, a, a bitch... Why are you surprised he's a criminal? He's literally smuggling a prisoner. Like, he said, Who else do you want to do his job? Gandhi? Yep. <laughs> Which I mean, accurate. It's so funny. Uh, but um, you can all, this, uh, this whole time, you can very much tell that, like, uh, he's most concerned about Joyce. I cannot believe that she went on this and that he, like, openly brought her into this i think that is crazy to me uh but at the same time to get out of here i guess he'd do anything because it's been a second i I mean in in the first episode i'm pretty sure 11 said it had been like a hundred days uh like since whatever since they'd seen each other almost a year almost a year yeah exactly so okay okay yeah i don't even remember but still that's a long while to be in fucking prison and then the guard asks hopper where do you want it and he punches him in the face. Because to, to to make it look like they're not friends, to make it look like he is, like, punishing him for something, which uh, he has, like, it, it, he, he has done that before. I think that is, like, the second or third time that it has happened so far, which is hilarious because we're only episode three. Uh, but anyway, I love kind of lo- love their dynamic uh, at this point, knowing that they're, like, they're 
both, I guess, good guys, I'm assuming, um, or if I can only fucking hope, um, I'm enjoying, what is his name, the guard? Uh, they call him Enzo, but I don't think his name is Enzo. We no, 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 no. They, they only called him Enzo for the date, yeah. Um, but yeah, and post this, we pop into the, they, they just talk a little bit about what is going to happen with Joyce and Murray, they hope it goes well, and then we, um, come back to the Hawkins gang. Um, Their Scooby-Doo just- crew from... Yeah, brainstorming phase to pre-catching everyone up phase. Uh, you know, the crew is catching Nancy up on everything, and they are bringing up some pretty good questions. You know, Vecna attacks with a sort of curse. Is he working at the Mind Flayer? Why Chrissy and Fred? You know, these questions that are brought up. And, you know, they for Chrissy and Fred, they say, well, they're both at the game. They were both at the trailer park. Maybe they shouldn't be there. And they were both seeing Vecna before he striked. They also talk a little bit about how, like, uh, how Max, uh, the similarities, like, that she saw that they, that she knew that, like, they were going to, uh, the, what's it called? The counselor at the school. The counselor, yeah, exactly, and stuff like that. And it does just, like, end up all tying together at some point, um... Well, and, and well, that's that's where their first that's where Max's first hunch comes in. She's like, "Oh wait, I saw Chrissy coming out of the counselor's office. Like maybe she was talking to the counselor about all these visions that they're seeing." And so then yeah, they go to split up. It all ties in. Yeah, they go to split up because they're like, "Maybe we shouldn't be at the trailer park because it feels weird here." Because smart, don't be dummies. Vecna was literally there. <laughs> he was literally <laughs> there. And then Nancy's like, um, I'm actually not going. I have a hunch. And they're like, what the fuck? Why are we splitting up? Like, li- like what, what kind of hunch? She doesn't want to, like, elaborate. But here we are. She's like, I just, I just have a feeling. And, then, you know, they're, they're deciding how the group's going to split up. Steve obviously jumps in and he's like, wait, let me protect you. And then he's like, somebody drive my car. And then Max is like me and he's like, no. And then Robin. Because they're all like 12. <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all not able to drive. And he tosses the keys to Robin. And Robin is like, I don't have a license. Steve's like, why? And Robin says, I'm poor. Because I'm gay. Because I'm gay and I'm poor. Same. <laughs> me too, Robin. <laughs> She's gay. That's so funny. They would make Robin the gay who can't drive. It's kind of iconic. Uh, Speaking of gay, she goes with Nancy. (laughs) They do. They do. They yeet out of there. And before they do, it pans out to to, um, the Munson's trailer park where it's like caution taped up and... All of a sudden, there it's inside the home. The lights are blinking, and it pans to the uh, ceiling where uh, where Christy supposedly like died when she went up on it, and her bones cracked. Um, all of a sudden, it opens like a gate, and we are entered into the upside down where we see yet again Vecna's little scary little hellscape. And there's hella just, like, little, like, you can see, like, people's memories and, like, he's very much sucking souls, bitch. He growls. It's terrifying. He's connected to the vines. He's Yes, to these vines. And uh, we 
are cut to um, one of Lucas's um, teammates in the car with the popular crew, and he's like his hat. He has a headache, and I wonder what that means. And his nose starts bleeding. His name's Patrick, by the way. Patrick. 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 Um, so let's hope only good things are going to happen to Patrick, but who knows? With Vecna rounds, it's not looking good. Um, it's also not looking good for this band practice that the murder crew arrives at. Uh, you know, yeah, we recognize that it's the Hellfire Club, uh, and they recognize Lucas and Lucas is like, oh, they know my sister. They don't know me. I don't I don't know what's going on in here anymore. Uh, you know, he and all their friends are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's he's just really wanting to not be a nerd anymore. But even he's starting to see these quote unquote friendly visits uh, are just going way too far because they well, start they beating start the shit beat out of him up. now. Yeah. yeah. They're really threatening him, almost breaking one of the guy's hands. Uh, and then he's like, you got to talk. you got to say something. He's like, Dustin, Dustin Henderson. He was calling around looking for Eddie. So now they're looking for Dustin. And now they, yeah, exactly. They search for him. And that is horrifying. To, and for Lucas to, like, know that not only his friend Eddie is under fire, but now his best friend. Again, not looking good we then pan to the police still not looking good (laughs) never it never is we are in hawkins indiana y'all um pants the police department yeah they're at the police department 11 is being questioned by the police Mm -hmm. and girl should have lied they were asking her like did you want to kill her and she's like i don't know. know how to lie she doesn't know how to lie she said friends don't lie and she thinks the police Uh, are her friends because the police are her friends yeah, honestly, probably. Ugh, and she was being so straight sad. up honest. And they were just asking her, like, did you mean to hit her? And she's like, I don't know. Did you want to hit her? I don't know. And she's like saying what happened. She got a concussion, blah, blah, blah. And then continually being like, were you trying to hurt her? Trying to figure out what, like, the intent behind it was, what was going on, if it was self-defense. Obviously, it wasn't. Obviously, they realize she low-key wanted to kill her. And so they start locking her up. They, like, get her fingerprints and everything. She's about to be put in the system. She gets her picture taken of her. Uh, it says that she is 5'6". I need you to look up how tall Millie Bobby Brown is right now. So 11's taller than Millie. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is 5'3". That's what it says. But I don't believe that either. I'm, I think she's, like, she's probably somewhere in between. Oh, that was probably... No, no, I, I looked up... Uh, wait, current height... Five three, that's wild. But like with heels on, we normally see her. True, true, true. The last thing Eleven sees is Mike running into the street uh, after the truck that she's in as she's going to fucking juvie because they really couldn't they couldn't save her at all because uh, Joyce wasn't there. Nope. Yeah, exactly. No parents to take her home. It is not really looking great. And, like, she couldn't call her because she's on the plane. Uh, cut to the plane literally taking off. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get the plane taking off. We get a little Alaska and Airlines uh, ad. ad there. Yeah. yeah, very prevalent. And this is this the is second not an one ad. because the first one the first one was uh, what the first time when they got on the plane. Yep. Yep. And then we see Hopper bartering with another prisoner with bread and soup to break the cuff on his ankle and break his leg. And this was 
really hard to watch because he's bartering with them and then they're hitting the all of it. Yeah, they're 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 hitting the 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 railway and then in the middle of it, he's like, okay, hit it. Which now. he's like supposedly working on. I'm not entirely sure what the prisoners are doing, but they're clearly like east as like uh, it's definitely like labor. So doing some type of railway working, and they really yonk him. Yeah, they, they, his ankle is is wrecked, uh, and I don't want to know what it looks like, but I'm assuming that we're probably going to be forced to look at that later. It's, it's You know, that's a shot in the dark, though. Speaking of shot in the so. dark, Nancy and Robin are back at the library. Or no, not back. Well, they're at the library. The library is back. Um, I feel like the library is always a cute set piece to see when people are researching things. I don't feel like it's come back since like season one or two. I used to play the Stranger Things app game in the library. There was like a, it is so fun. First of all, it's like like an eight bit little game, and you just like go and you fight like all of the characters. You even fight the Tesla Hydra. Uh, Tesla Hussie. Very cute. Yeah, and they, and you go around like the whole city of Hawkins, and it's adorable, and I love it. Um, not an ad, but the library is in it. Like <laughs> the library is parts. there. The library is yeah. in it. Yeah. And Nancy and Robin are at the library because Nancy's little shot in the dark. Uh, she's trying to figure out uh, how Victor Victor Creel fits into all this mess because um, she's really intrigued about it. Trying to search these public records. We also get a little bit more insight into Robin's character, and the details they're adding, I think, are really interesting. Uh, a quote from uh, out of Robin's mouth herself says, I don't really have a filter or a strong grasp of social cues. They're giving her very specific lines. And, and very she, specific like, things well, yeah, about her she, she turned around and she literally turned around to Nancy and was like, uh, so did I say something wrong? Are you annoyed? Are you mad at me? And, Am I annoyed? Like my mom tells me I don't have a filter or a strong grasp of social cues and I'm like, hmm. I wonder what that means. Yeah, well, that's a very specific set of words uh, used in a script for diagnoses that I think. Anyway, Interesting. We'll get a little bit more into that later. <laughs> Maybe she should see, like, a psychiatrist or a counselor, like Max, you know, go into her counselor's house to seek advice. Which is crazy, the fact that she just shows up at this lady's door. I mean, it's 1986, like, it makes sense, but, like, like they did to their... Uh, science teacher, the kids, they, the way they just showed up at his house, like, that is crazy. Or no, they didn't. They called him. Like, like so weird they had his number. But, you know, like, do what you do. It's the 80s. Like, okay, I'm glad it's good. But not safe. It's just, like, another thing to show the times, and I think that's hilarious, like, the fact that she went uh, into her house. Yeah. Yeah. But she goes into the house, and then Dustin and Steve are having a little conversation about how Steve really tried to jump for a little adventure with Nancy. Uh, and Dustin says that he won't get with Robin because he's still in love with Nancy. And obviously, Dustin doesn't know that her ass is gay. Yeah. As nobody but does. Nobody does, and Steve doesn't out her, and we love an ally. Of course he doesn't. He's not going to, like... He's the bestie. They, well, they, they say that, too. Like, the fact that they are in, like, Hawkins, like, she could, like, when, when they're having their, like, moment... The, the boobies moment trying to figure out if somebody in is gay one. yeah in episode one they were like should like i could i could say something and like she could we, we could be together like on a date or like i could like become fucking town pariah i could become like a sinner stuff like that depending on whoever whoever takes it the wrong way because like you know the homophobia is relevant out here 
relevant and alive in the 80s That's for real. For sure. Which is, which is why everything we get from Will is so minimal, I feel like. The, I really want us to give us more than crumbs in volume two, but... More than crumb. At least, we, at least we get Robin, who is definitely gay and says that a lot. Yeah. Um. We also get a little joke between Steve and Dustin, where she's like, "Calm down, or I'll knock your teeth out again." And Dustin's like, "Whoa." He's like, "Hey, I'm sensitive about that." Too far. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So funny. Yeah. I that went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just one of the slower scenes because it's just like they let they love to leave with a little bit of humor. Um, just you know, gear you up for whatever's coming next. It's supposed to be like it's like funny, emotional, funny, emotional, and emotional is probably like scary or sad. Yeah, and just, we're seriously getting like a little bit of whiplash, but I guess it's fine because I'm having a really good time. Uh, and then, you know, Max it is has inside. To be yeah, Max is inside manipulating her counselor a little bit unsuccessfully. She's not getting a lot of information out of her. Um, mostly the counselor's like, let me help you. And then Max is like, tell me about the dead girl. And she's like, no. We also hear uh, throughout the scene the sound of a ticking <laughs> clock. Very, like, deep clicks throughout the scene. Well, yeah, there is, there is a click in it, too. So, like, it's not looking good. No, no, it's not. Uh, you know, this isn't working out for her. She's like, so I need to pee. And instead of peeing, she steals the office key and then they go. Eats out of there. Um, they kind of like are trying to catch Lucas up. They are phoning in on the walkie talkies and trying to like reach out to him. Um, but they're like, uh, nah, because, oh, you know what? Actually, they don't they they're not reaching out to Lucas. Lucas is reaching out to them and trying to warn them about the hunt for Eddie. The, um because essentially they're really just trying to protect them in all of this and also save the world. These poor kids. I know they all they have to do everything pretty much themselves every single time. Um with very minimal help and mostly from a, a girl that's the same age as them and has superpowers. But not right now. Not right now. Not anymore. Mm-mm. <laughs> No, but, uh, you know, Lucas uh, just continually tries to, like, throw his buddies off the trail. Um, and but where do they where does he say they go? Well, know. he doesn't say where they're going yet. Um, after after uh, the the jocks find uh, Lucas and Dustin's room, uh, getting a little bit caught up using the walkies, uh, uh you know, they're, they're getting a little bit suspicious of Lucas, so Lucas is like, wait, I think I know where Eddie is hiding. Uh, we don't know where they, wh- where he's taking them yet, because um, first, we need to see where Eleven is being taken to. Because, uh, you, you know, as, as she's on her way to Juvie, a different government car shows up. Yep, all of a sudden, she is, like, on this random, like, highway, um, and then, yeet, a bunch of cop cars show up, and it is not police, it's never police, it's never, like, marked cop cars, it's never, it's never, like, uniformed police, it's the people in the suits, and they were like, I'll take her off your pants, she's a high-end fugitive type shit, and it is none other than Dr. Owens behind it all, which is a little comforting, because at first I thought it was going to be, like, the military dude that we saw introduced in episode one, oh, or I mean, yeah. or episode two, when he raided, or the beginning of this episode when he raided that dude's house, uh, Owen's house. Um, so, glad it's him. Uh, you know, we know some progress is probably going to be made with her powers or something. Uh, but for now, we cut back to Joyce and Murray landing in Alaska. Uh 
I and I want to know. You know, they land in Alaska. That's really all we see. We don't see, we don't see a whole lot with them. It's cold there. That's what we get. Uh, and I just want to know, as we come back to Hopper, like, why did he break his leg? Why do I have to watch it, him do this? He broke his leg to get his, um, to get his hand. He has uh, cuffs on his ankles. Uh, and he broke them so he could get them out, to get them out. I know, but, like, why do you have to do that? Because now I have to watch it. Now I have to watch him I feel like he could have chopped his off the cuffs out. easily. I thought you were going to say chopped off his foot. Or no, 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 no. No, he couldn't have chopped off the cuffs because he has to, like, be able to pass, like, the little check that they do of them, like, yanking oh, on the cuffs to make, right. sure okay. to make sure that they are still, like, they haven't broken. Because if he did chop them right off, when the guard did that, they it would have come off. He would have been in trouble. I'm sure he would have got tortured. And... But he that doesn't happen. He passes their little yank test. Uh, and every time and it, it gets yanked, he feels the pain. And I'm like, God. It's so hard to watch. We cut to him in his cell looking at his foot. And it is the disgustingest thing ever. He's like trying to uh, he unsuccess- unsuccessfully. Or is it successfully? I don't even remember. I don't, we don't I, even know. He we gets don't. it out. He, I think he gets it out, but he has to, like, or gets it out, like, most of the way. But he's got to put it back on so the guards can check him. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know what goes on there. But it, because it cuts to Robin and Nancy in the library uh, researching. They're, they're cosplaying as Velma and Daphne as they're looking, you know, just for Stop. random clues. Uh, you know, Robin assures Nancy that her and Steve are just friends. Because Nancy's like, you know, you can go. You can go hang out with Steve. Uh, but Robin's like, no, we are platonic All to the cat while, We're still the only ones who know that they're gay. Also, like, somebody should get the motherfucking hint. Or at least, like, realize that Robin is just, like, the bestie, you know? Like, she very much has that vibe. But... I guess at the same time, when you're that age and you have that, like, best friend, like, a lot of the time who, like, is, is gay and, like, people don't know it or, like, you guys just, like, are homies. I, I just, I remember this as a kid being, like, best friends with guys and... Oh, you remember this being, dynamic. Yeah, or and just, like, remember being, like, why aren't, why aren't you dating them? And it's, like, because I'm gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> and because, like, we're friends. Like, get it through your goddamn head and... I'm, Damn, Robin is truly a relatable experience. Oh, definitely, for sure. It, it really actually hits too hard. It's kind of annoying. I'm like, <laughs> God, do I really have to be similar to Robin? Like, thanks. Not that not <laughs> hey, she's Robin's like hateable cool, or anything. You know? She is. She is. She's very cool. But like, uh, it's Damn. not what I'm trying to be. You know, exactly. Felt. Mm-hmm. Felt. You're trying to be like bitch in eleven. But exactly. Robin is pretty cunning. She, she, you know, she finds this weird old newspaper. It's like a, like a my wife saw Bigfoot kind of newspaper, you know. Uh, and they find they flip through it and they find out that does it say that on it or did you just make that up? No, I just made that up. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> uh, it, you know, on it it says Victor believes his house is haunted by a vengeful demon. Uh, it, it's exorcism proof stuff like that only angers it and. We're really like fighting some, you know, if you were looking at this, this, this tabloid here as like a regular person, you'd be like, oh yeah, this, he's just crazy. We could write all this off. But because it's the Stranger Things crew, they're like, oh. They're like, hold on. This is getting like a little too familiar. Yeah. It's getting a little too familiar. Like, I feel like we know what's going on here. 
Oh, they mentioned Exorcist in this scene. They mentioned literally the Exorcist. So, like, the specific, specifically, like the way that the bodies like are killed, like it has to be like a has to be like a reference. But in this article, they're like almost referencing the way that they are killed, and I feel like that is how the way that the murders happen. And I feel like that's how they think that this is like connected. Uh, Along with the situation, along with just, like, the timing and stuff like that, and the other similarities of demon, you know, the scariness of it all. (laughs) Scariness. Speaking of scariness, I feel like school at nighttime is always super scary, and Stranger Things has a lot of school at nighttime scenes, uh... Because, you know, we see Max breaking into the office uh, and Dustin's like, oh, my God, it's like Watergate. It's like Hawkins Gate. And, you know, they have their flashlights. The school's all dark. Uh, and then Max is looking through all these files and we see that Chrissy and Freddie were actually seeing Miss Kelly, the counselor. So now that that uh, suspicion from Max was confirmed that, like, fuck, um... Guess who else is seeing a counselor? Like these little things are like just one, like one more thing is like thing after things are falling into place, but it is all moving extremely fast paced as they are like essentially breaking breaking into the school. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawkins Gate. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hawkins Gate. We also cut back to the jocks, and they have a lot of fucking weapons. Um, and then they are drawing their game plan like their in hunt. the dirt. Yeah, they're in the, they're on their little hunt. And then I feel like Stranger Things. So scary. Yeah, I feel like Stranger Things loves having people draw things in the dirt. <laughs> we see this in season when- one. The, Stranger Things just like loves having someone like draw out a diagram and then have people look That's- at it. Yeah, it's the vibe. It's D and D, babe. It's D and D. It's D and D, babes. Yeah. <laughs> it's D and D, babes. It's like Lucas. What are you doing there? What are you doing there, Lucas? Well, he can't just yeet out of there. He can't be like, like he is in a very shitty situation, and like, I don't know what is gonna happen to like the gu- the guys, and like like what, and I don't even remember what like ends up happening to them, but like it cannot be good and like either way he hasn't gotten himself in a great situation whether they're going to hunt eddie or whether like they're gonna get arrested by police or whether like somebody's gonna fight them instead like either way i just know it's not looking great for him and i can tell that he's he's getting deeper and deeper into this hole and like lucas does a really great job of being scared i would love to see him in more horror I agree. I agree. You know, in this situation, he's kind of gotten himself into the, quite the little predicament as Eleven. Uh, as Eleven has, uh, Owen says to uh, Eleven, you've gotten yourself into quite the little predicament. And here they are I at mean, a diner. Yeah. She said, yunk. <laughs> yunk. She her ass. We get a little diner scene with the two of them, and it makes you want a club special and some waffles, to be honest. Uh, you know, <laughs> m- m- the Sam uh, Sam Owens tells Eleven that Hawkins is in danger. He's telling her that... Uh, You're you know, really discrediting, discrediting his doctor status with his first name, and I think it's so fucking funny. <laughs> I wanted to say fuck 12, but, like, he's a doctor. He's so a doctor? Yeah, but he, Loki, he's a cop at the same time. So, Loki, like, he is it. a cop. Yeah, he is Loki yeah, a cop. exactly. 
He's a, he's definitely yeah, Doctor Cop for sure. Copter. Cop with like a doctor title. Like he was a doctor and then he became a cop because of the stuff he knows. Exactly, exactly. His secrets. His secrets. Hate it. <laughs> so he's telling Eleven that this this force <laughs> that's in Hawkins, um, it, you know, it always comes back eventually. You know, it goes away and it comes back, and each time it returns, it comes back smarter, comes back stronger. He also tells her a uh, war is coming to Hawkins. Literally, he straight up says, like, your friend, like, this is evil. It's, like, a virus, which is, like, what they thought, like, essentially, like, Will had to begin with. And there's, like, are my friends okay? They straight up live in Hawkins. And then he, like, asks her to help. And she's like, uh, bad news, bro. I ain't got power. <laughs> he says, what if there's a way to bring them back? And as he's explaining this to her, uh, we see that Lucas actually brings the jocks to Ellen Hop's old place. I didn't notice this until the second time around that I had watched this. And I was like, oh, shit, that's the old cabin. Uh, and you realize that he is there because he wanted to trick the jocks. Like, it's, it's finally confirmed that, you know, we see Lucas wanting to really help steer them off the path. He straight up, like, leaves the... He, like, says, like, hey, this is where it is. He lures them into the home and then runs away. <laughs> because what else can he do? Mm -hmm. He books it. And, you know, we cut back to the diner. We hear that Dr. Owens has apparently been working on something that could bring Elle's powers back stronger. And, wait, that could bring Elle's powers back and stronger than before. She does, um, she, like, asks him if, like, her friends are in danger because, like, they're in Hawkins, and he's like, yeah, they are 100% very much caught in the eye of the storm, is I think is what he says, and then it cuts to them, uh, literally in the eye of the storm, uh, them all, like, he's, she's, and he's like, you may, like, feel like you need to go to them now, but if you do, like, everybody's not gonna be safe, because if she does, like, realistically, everything would be crazy, like, fucked up. Mm -hmm. uh, she doesn't have her powers. Like, what's she going to be able to do? Yeah. And so hopefully, like, always can help her do that. Um, and all meanwhile, we see Max reading the files of Fred and Chrissy and also realizing that they are having the exact same symptoms. Headaches, nosebleeds, constant nightmares, lack of sleep. A serious trauma and then throughout all of this it is like uh like cutting back to like flashbacks of her having all of these things and she's freaking out her friends turn to her and they're like max what's going on and then she hears a voice max max before we uh see her go to investigate this voice we see dr owens giving Elle the freedom of choice. Like, she can find out if she can get her powers back or she can go to her friends and watch everything crumble. Um, and, you know, this is a really important thing to her because she's like, either way, she's like, either either I need to see my friends or I need to save my friends. Uh, of course they leave, uh, but, like, they don't want to eat the food first because that food looked good. That lady brought the food <laughs> that they ordered and it looked good. And I was sad they didn't eat it. Anyway, we know where they're going. They're going to go to, like, try and restore Elle's powers. Max follows the voice back at the school. It leads her down the hall as you hear the deep click of a grandfather clock. Down at the end of the hallway, we see it embedded in the wall. That same grandfather clock. And you hear Vecna's voice deep growling. Max. 
is just so scary. We know that uh, <laughs> Max is next. Um, and, and with that, roll credits. And we move on to chapter four, Dear Billy, uh, directly after the break. How did you feel about this episode in particular? Very good. Fantastic. At at this point, I am, like, into the um, Murray and Joyce storyline, but, like, I'm just, like, confused and, like, worried and, like, truly just, like, yeeted by the disgustingness of, like, Hopper's legs. But, like, I just only hope it's going to get better. Um, And I do know that it does. Well, not really. Uh, But the next one is a fire episode, and I am very excited to talk about it. Yeah, I love everything that this episode sets up. We set up the mystery of Victor Creel. We set up the fact that Max is being stalked by Vecna. Well, we knew, like, a little bit about them, too, like, from a, a tiny, tiny bit of what um, Eddie Munson's, like, uncle knew and told Nancy. And then, like, it was confirmed a little bit from their research. We also see some new dynamics here. Like, you know, we strengthen the the buddy duo, like you said, of of Joyce and uh, Murray. We get Steve being the babysitter again, as per usual. And then we get the uh, Robin and... Always is. A, Robin and Nancy dream team. I'm loving them together so far. And I'm really excited to see what everyone does together in the next episode, uh, Chapter 4, Dear Billy. We will be right back. Welcome back, Hellfire Club, to Stranger Thursdays. Next up, we are covering the episode, if I might say iconic episode, Chapter 4, Dear Billy. My favorite yet. Same. For fucking sure. Same. So good. So good. Uh, Yeah. So we start off with the Cali crew. Uh... Thank the gods they're being briefed on most of what's happening to Eleven. Um, you know, Eleven trusted these people, so, you know, why not trust, why not also trust them? Yeah, well, and, like, they kind of took Eleven at this point. Like, they, like, like she's gone. At, at least they're, at, at least, like, they didn't just, like, they, they didn't even, I don't even think they knew that she was going to Juvie. Or I guess, like, probably, they, they, they probably did. assumed it. But, like, they, they didn't get any information about, say, like, they didn't get any phone calls saying that she was going to jail or anything like that. So, like, for them to, like, come back and being like, here's what's happening to her, your friend, I feel like is pretty good of them. This, this all happens. Uh, we see the same, like, we see, like, the same police that, uh, that, like, take her away, essentially. And uh, Mike goes into, I'm, assume, I'm assuming, Eleven's room? Oh, oh, and takes a letter that was given to him by the police, by the lady, lady cop from uh, Eleven. And he opens up this little note and it says, I have gone to become a superhero again from L. Shade, petty. shade to say She's from, petty. from Mike, from, from Mike, L, from Mike, from L. <laughs> Before when before she was signing it, love. Um, that I I didn't even notice that until you said it, uh, mm-hmm. and I love looking at it right now. That's hilarious. Um, and with that, like we're left with like something good at the moment. In the moment, I thought that, that was like uplifting, but now I'm realizing <laughs> that it's kind of it's kind of sad, um, and it changes the tone actually. So that's kind of funny. 
Uh. Context clues. <laughs> and the tone shifts. We get a little darker. We're back at the school. Uh, it's nighttime there. Uh, Max brings... Where the... Max just found out this bitch is next. Yeah, this. she's like, oh, fuck, I'm next. She wakes up from her trance, right? And Max brings the gang back to where she was when she saw the clock during her little her little episode, right? Uh, you know, Max is obviously having the same sy- symptoms. She has. She's letting all these all of her friends know and she lists off everything and i just love the way that she's going about this is like as she's saying it out loud she's already processed this in her head but this is her first time saying it out loud that her fred and chrissy have all had the same symptoms and that fred and chrissy both died 24 hours after their first vision the first time they saw the clock she said looks like i'm gonna die tomorrow Literally straight up, this was like this. The way that she like did this little monologue of her saying like they were seeing things, um, and then it like flashed back to like um, Fred and Chrissy seeing things, and like her talking about like the visions, talking about how they'd get worse, and talking about the headaches, and talking about the nosebleed, and talking about like that. All she knows is that it ha- like they died less than twenty four hours, like you said. It happened. Her, um, Chrissy's was six days. Fred was five. Or, or I think it was like seven, six. And she was like, I had these visions five days ago. And like every time, I think I've watched this episode four times. And every time, like that gives me goosebumps throughout my whole body. Like Sadie deserves the awards for this. All, and we this are whole episode. four minutes in. Four, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ugh. And it, all of a sudden, there was a strange noise. Steve goes to investigate alone. Stay here, he says, as everybody follows. <laughs> and every and, and these dumbass kids follow him. Um, they are um, spooked by a figure in the night, which is Lucas, and he's like just just bike eight miles to see them and tell them everything that's going on when they're trying to like get Eddie. Um, and they think in telling Dustin that like, they think he knows where he, they think he thinks they know where he is. That's so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but before all that, they did the most realistic thing that is, it has happened in the past four seasons. And that is, Lucas just panting when he gets to the school. Like, <laughs> it's me. Hold on. Stop. I, I'm sorry. <sighs> One second. Hold on. Bad news. We what got a we got a cold red. <sighs> but but panting and not telling you what it is. So fucking funny. He said, "Hold fuck. Hold fucking hold on. Hold on. Hold on." Uh, and it's starting to play more catch up now. And uh, we have literally we have Dustin saying one of my favorite lines because we have a lot of like, you know, 80s horror references in this season. Some of them are a lot more subtle than others. And this one, he says, we have a lot bigger problems than Jason right now, referring to the head jock uh, as Lucas is trying to catch them up. And that Jason, just re- that's his name. Yeah. Uh, the bigger problems than Jason right now. That just reminds you of like a killer who takes way too long to get to you. Like, like, like Jason. Literally, and roll fucking credits. Now Lucas knows that there is more than just, like, this badness going on. That, oh, the upside down is coming for you, too. 
So, so Lucas is just not finding out now finding out about Vecna. We're four episodes in. Of Joyce, Joyce and Murray don't know. And also, I just realized that Mike and Will don't know. No, they don't know. Okay, well, Mike knows who Vecna is because he's in the Hellfire Club, but like they don't know about any of the current upside down shit. Oh, so yeah. it's only them. Also, I saw this hilarious ass tweet. I don't think that Vecna's name is actually Vecna because like Vecna is like the superhero is the is the D&D villain. So like are they really about to come at Vecna calling him Vecna when that's not even his and name? He's going to be like the fuck? He's going to be like he's going to be like who's that? <laughs> Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Sorry, what? For um, real? Oh my god! <laughs> who's Vecna? They literally just named him that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> after we after we get this little catch up after <laughs> the opening credits, we are at the, the Sinclair's house too, but... and the Democrat. <laughs> We're at the Sinclair's house, and Jason that is there. He shows up. He's he's looking for Lucas. Uh, and Erica in this scene feels like, in in a lot of scenes, Erica just feels a little bit homophobic sometimes because <laughs> he's like, you know, me and Lucas were supposed oh, to go out, sure. and she's like, go out. I see he's taking a step down from Max. Literally, and just shape, which is hilarious. She's I love her so for that. Fucking quick, and I love she's really showing these nerd rights when they open nerd the scene. It was just nerd rights. It was just her painting her little like diorama, her her little D and D, her little D and D character or something. I don't know, but she was just painting the little tiniest figure, and it was so funny. And I love Erica so much. I hope that she's even more of a main character in next in the the second volume, and like she's brought into it more. I, even though I don't want that for her, I just know that she. Like, You're like, don't give her trauma. Don't give her trauma, but like, get her in a room with Angela. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Get get <laughs> like, her in Angela a room out. with Angela. Don't what? don't don't get her in a room with Vecna because Vecna would fuck her up. But like, uh, get her in a room no, with she would fuck fuck Vecna up. <laughs> she, you think I, Erica she, Sinclair can save us from Vecna? You think so? You can, she yeah, literally. Think, wait a minute. She was the one that beat Vecna in their D and D game. Oh my god! 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 Theory! 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 Foreshadowing! Holy shit! That's foreshadowing. We're calling it right now. It has to be. It has to be. My nipples just got hard. Like literally, like I got goosebumps everywhere, and my nipples are hard. What? We fucking do. Not in like a weird way, but just like the fact that like what? That's crazy. Just the fact that you predicted. I can't believe I predicted the finale. Wow. <laughs> well, like, that would make sense if Vecna did come for Erica. Like, we don't have too much on her backstory to know that the traumas that she's had, but, like, we know that she's fearless. Uh, you know, she she is very fearless against this, uh, you know, white twink right here. She's like, if you see Lucas, let him know I've been covering for his ass for forever. He's about to owe me a fucking Nintendo with all the interest I'm about to charge him. You gotta go. He said it's $10 a day for every day I'm covering for you. For real, like these parents don't care. Like, is she saying like, oh, he's at he's at Mike's. He's at always at Mike's. The friends. Yeah. No, he's he's at practice. He's at a friend. He's at the teammates. But that's a good little moment we get. We I never get enough of Erica. Then we go back never. to. Uh, no, you definitely. 
I am Erica Stan. Oh, and speaking of Mike's house, we're back at Mike's house, even though Correct. I guess Nancy Nancy lives there. Nancy's there. Yeah, but sometimes we I forget about we that. <laughs> sometimes I forget that the you know that that Nancy also lives there. I was wondering why they were at the Wheeler house. It makes sense. Okay. Mm. Well, they're down there and they're discussing a lot about the upside down um, and, you know, some points that are brought up. uh, Another game of catch up. Yeah, another game of catch up. What the situation is. Mm -hmm. They're like, why did it happen then? Why now? Why is Victor the only survivor? Yeah, about Victor Creel. And uh, Dustin brings up, he's like, well, Eleven didn't create the Upside Down. The Upside Down's probably been around for thousands of years, millions even. And I think this is a really interesting point to bring up because it gets us, like, really thinking about, you know, we've always been thinking about where the Upside Down came from and, like, what it is, uh, but, and, like, what, you know, of course, where it came from and how did, how does L connect to that? Uh, So I think it's an interesting point to be brought up. Another question, you know, lots of questions being brought up here. So much. And all the while, Max is just sitting in this room while they're all trying to, like, figure out what's going on. And she's just sitting in the corner of the room at a desk, like, writing. Like, just being so, like, out of it. And they just know that, like, they've caught up that, like, Max has the curse and now they need to save her. But, yeah. Hella, hella, hella questions. Until they are like, why don't we just go see this Victor Creel. He's at this Penthurst Asylum. Let's just fucking do it. And of course, it would they would Steve would love for it to be a Steve and Nancy thing, but like Steve, no. like he's not an investigator. You need like He's not a scholar. No. And neither is Robin, but they think, but Nancy thinks that she can make her like one. Um, and we play dress up and we get Robin in Nancy's clothes. Um, and we then cut to Alaska, Russia. Uh, we're we're in Russia for a quick little update uh, with Hopper. Uh, he gets updates on Joyce and Marie's whereabouts, uh, and if all goes well, uh, the chances of survival are about fifty to one, which like not bad. Those are not bad chances. I mean, they're not great chances, but like it could be one in a thousand, one in a hundred. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, we get his. I think odds. that's what he says: is one in a hundred. Well, he's, 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 chances of survival are fifty to one out in the wilderness. Oh, okay. I think it, it, I think it raises to hundred at some point, but at first he says fifty. Uh, and you know, then we're we're right back in our Cali crew, right? We see the cops. They're sitting around. They're watching TV. They're being so helpful. Uh, apparently, the police have cut their phone lines, and that's why in uh, in Alaska, Joyce has not been able to get a hold of her own home. Even though Murray's like, forget about it. It's fine. That's we're trying why to, we're trying to save people. In jail. That's why she's in jail. <laughs> yeah. Not that she could have bailed her out, but she could have used that forty k. T. Well, I mean, like, she can stay in jail for a little bit. I would go get Hopper. I'm not even gonna Damn, lie. Fuck eleven. Fuck eleven. Fuck eleven. Fuck eleven. And that Mike said fuck eleven when he tossed Elle's note in the trash after Will was like, "Stop reading that. It's not gonna bring her back." And they have like a cute little heart to heart moment in Will's room, which I have to say is 
dope. Like whoever, like the set designing, the clothing designing, like it's always been fantastic, but oh, it's so cool. If anybody who's listening can get me the rug that Will uses as like his headboard. Oh my God. Hit me up. It's so <laughs> cool. It's so cool. I haven't even looked at it, but I'll have to go back and, and, and look I'm at it. I'm sending you a pic. So that, oh my God. Take, yeah. Take a screenshot, post it somewhere, get it. Uh, <laughs> you know, him and Will, they also talk about, uh, about uh, him and Will also talk about the fight with Elle. Uh, Mike says it, it felt more adult. It felt more real. Um, and it did, but it again, it, yeah, it was. But again, all he had, really had to do was say, I love you. That's true. You're right. And he doesn't get that. And they're talking together and they're like, you know, it looks like it's going to have to be up to us again. You know, we have to go save we we have to go back to Hawkins. Like if if Hawkins is in danger, let's let's go help out. Uh, and the only way they can leave is Jonathan's bright idea to get some pizza. Um, because who works at the pizza place? His best buddy Argyle. Mm-hmm. But back at the Wheelers, jump back to the Wheelers. Uh, we find out why Max has been writing these letters. They're Loki suicide notes. They really are. That's so. That's what I was saying that when I was watching it earlier. I was like, she's really out here giving her suicide notes to her friends. That's so sad. Like, it sucks because she's really just been going through it, and you can tell she's like so fucking beat up about everything. Like, you know, first, first her boyfriend, and first her brother dies. She loses her boyfriend, loses you know a really stable friend group, uh, and she just and not to. Not to mention, like, the other family stuff between, like, her mom drinking and, like, her the stepdad leaving. Yeah, and the that. stepdad like, being abusive and also her yeah. brother being abusive at first uh, exactly. and also forever the whole time he probably was alive. Uh, and, and you know, she just breaks down and says, of course, of course Vecna would choose me. Should have seen that one coming. It's just so sad. But, like, it is very clear that he is praying on people that's trauma that, that are traumatized but it's just so sad like you can tell how like she, she does a really good job of being just like sad and angsty and like sadie sink kills it continues awards. to murder this episode oh, give, her give her the her awards all of the awards give her all exactly. the awards exactly and then finally she's like i can't handle this get me the fuck out of the wheeler's home but before they she can force steve to drive her out of here she Hears chiming into the darkness, into the well, yeah. She looks back into the home before they leave because she wants to go to East Hawkins. Uh, we don't know why yet, but she does. But she Correct. she's just like, get me out of here. Let's go to East Hawkins. Yeah, and she hears the tick tocking of a grandfather clock. We cut back Which to Penthurst. Not great. Not great. Cut back to Penthurst. Nancy and Robin are pulling up. Uh, Robin is very uncomfortable in her clothes, real itchy. She gets out and is wearing these. She's wearing the tiniest, two, literally probably one and a half inch kitten heels and is like stumbling like <laughs> on her ankles. It's so fucking funny. She's iconic like, for that. She really is iconic yeah. for that. And they try to meet up with the head of Penthurst to get a meeting with Victor Creel. Uh, the misogyny is very strong here. Uh, real strong. Uh, and Robin uses her cunning manipulation skills and uses the misogyny against the main dude and guilts him. Kills him into she letting does a him really stay. Great job of it too. Like the way that Nancy's like trying so hard to be like, 
we're professionals. We want to see him, blah, blah, blah. And then Robin is like, I'm, I'm, I'm real. Like I hate, I hate being in these clothes and I'm pissed that I'm here. But you know that like, don't you know that like being a woman in this uh, field is hard, but I know that, you know, this guy's interesting and we want to know a bunch about him and really does like tap into like matching the vibe and trying to like get into this using those manipulation skills and oh yeah she's like making everything up on the spot and nancy really just has to trust her and you really see robin's role in the group here it's like an interesting opposite to nancy for sure a plus bullshitter we'll lie on the spot any moment for no reason at all just because and i'm glad you know nancy is a gal pal she needs one um (laughs) that's true she like hasn't had like a like a girlfriend on screen like since barb Mm -hmm. (laughs) girlfriend gal pal you know exactly (laughs) oh my god this is this is nancy's second lesbian best friend is barb gay sure she knew nancy's bra size (laughs) why else would she know that anyway (laughs) you remember little pd McHugh? Uh, <laughs> Do you remember Little Pete McHugh? Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> that was just something that, that Robin had mentioned in her little speech. <laughs> she really uh, pulls out the uh, monologues in this one, which she kind of always had. And I think that's like something about like them coming from Robin can get. I think that's why I get like annoyed with her so easily is is her theater-esque monologues. Like I can tell she thrived in theater class. But you know whose daughter that is, right? Yeah, she's yeah. Uh, Uma she, Thurman's daughter. I mean, yeah, yeah, but like Uma Thurman and yeah, the, Uma Thurman is not like a m- musical theater Broadway star, you know. And that's who I that that's what I imagine that uh how how I imagine um what's her name Robin Maya Hawk Maya Hawk Maya Hawk, Maya, Maya Hawk yeah uh, Rob, Robin's a- actress name uh her real name uh, anyway being, this like, works uh they end up getting uh, a little meeting with Victor Creel uh and we see them give a little secret high five down the hallway and it looks like they're about to hold hands and I was gonna be like gay but no no gal pals. <laughs> I really hope they don't do that. Gal pals. Because I don't see that for Nancy. Um, I don't either. I I see Steve for Nancy. But anyway, anyway. Definitely. It's very weird that they're like a Jonathan and her still like a thing at all, I think. But, you know. Yeah, we'll probably get more into that, you know, as we get down the line in the season. Uh, But for now, here we are at a random plane thing that houses a plane. What are those called? I I wrote in my notes, random plane house thing. Hanger. Plane hanger. That's right. That's right. Uh, And we see Joyce asking this dude in the airplane, like, is is Yuri still here? And he's like, Yuri left the day before. Bears got into plane and killed him. He loved bears. And bears broke his heart, punctured with bear claws. But they were pranked. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it's like, just kidding. I'm Yuri. Oh, wow. Murray and Joyce have, like, have taken, like, essentially, like, her man's savings and, like, taken, like, a huge risk and didn't tell her kids where she's going to supposedly save Hopper from the government. Like, they are really at risks. And for Yuri to be out here joking? 
like not, this is not the time, bro. For real, um, not the time for but pranks. He's, he's a likable character at this point. I think. Like, I think he's. Funny. I don't. I disagree. I hate this man already. You don't like it. You I hate, don't oh, like see, him. I thought, I'm here for it. I knew when he was like. When he was like, he, you're, he's dead. You're too late. I, I knew that. I knew that he, it was him. Like, I, this is just a man pulling a prank. I see this guy's vibe. Yeah, so it's him. They bring him. They bring him the he, money. Uh, mm-hmm. He offers them coffee while they wait. Uh, and then he inhales the money. Because he wants to He wants to hand count it. He wants to, yeah, hand sense. count I the money. I would too, I guess. Uh, honestly, yeah, you want to make sure all that shit is there because that's a lot of money. Uh, and then we see Mick ho- just texted me and said, "Yuri or Alexi, who's the fave?" Well, Alexi is a good guy. Alexi's a good guy. Yeah, but we can't get too much into Alexi because who knows? Maybe we'll cover season three at some point. But here we see Hopper uh, in the in the next scene. You know, we're 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 in our Alaska slash Russia storyline right now. And uh, Ro- Hopper uh, breaks, quote unquote, his pickaxe uh, while he's working on that railroad. Uh, and he heads to the supplies set- shed uh, to try and get a new day. one. Yeah. Uh, the law of the live long day. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, and in the supply shed, we see him take off his nasty ass shoes and try to take off his uh his cuffs from his broken ankle which again to see that is so foul like jump scare warn us first first he has to knock out that clueless soldier that goes in which is honestly really easy uh and while he's doing that uh another one goes in to check on him and hopper's been found things happen uh he is super desperate to get out of there Uh, he's always been like a rogue in his fighting style but this fight is extra messy because by the end of it the gums go off the guns go off like the they they fire and the whole place knows what's going on now yeah exactly um and all of a sudden there are like shots fired in the shed people come towards him and all of a sudden some fucking how this dude runs barefoot out this shed after like attempting to fight multiple guards and after blowing um, up a shed after blowing up a shed after being shot at he flees from the prison on a jet ski <laughs> while being shot oh, at a ju- wait a, ju- a snow what? snowmobile snowmobile jet, jet skis in the water jet ski yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i meant it's the same i'm pretty sure it's the same technology like it would work on snow a jet ski yeah i don't think no. so no you don't think so don't no think it's, defi- it's definitely like buoys though hold it up yeah you're right you're right you're right, you're right. You're right. You're right. you know what <laughs> fuck you fuck you uh, anyway it is fucking it's weird how he's just traveling barefoot and it's uncomfy okay but he's desperate he's trying to like escape from his life and like he's probably like at odds right now we saw him in his little cell it literally was just like cement so he's for sure just like sleeping on the ground he's not like and i'm sure he's walking around he has walked barefoot in the snow before i'm sure at this point yeah at this point yeah he's been a second has to be like a punishment or something you don't get your shoes for a day Ooh, you know because realistically i feel like he would have died that's a good that's a horrible punishment i mean like if you're on the torturer's end yeah yeah and in russia yeah in the snow yeah I, i went outside earlier for like for like two minutes and I was standing on the hot cement and it was so rough on my feet. I was like, <laughs> I could not imagine being in the cold too much. Damn. 
Well, the prisoners cheer as he narrowly escapes on that snowmobile. And then we cut back to some of the Scooby-Doo crew. They end up back at Max's place. Uh, Max is wanting to drop off some other letters for her mom, her dad, her grandma. Uh, and we get an, another little funny exchange from from Dustin and uh, and Steve. And he's, he's looking at his, uh, his walking. He's like, that thing's got batteries in it, right? And, and then Lucas is like, I mean, and then Dustin's like, I'm not even going to answer that question. Like, yeah, it has batteries. Why would it not? Honestly, like, I would ask too, though. Or, like, I would check to see if they're, like, charged and stuff like that. True, like, yeah. You know, like, you know, it's like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but then she does go into her home, try attempts to drop off those letters and speak with her mom. Um, and then she just, like, has, like, a little, like, a weird exchange that's um, that's very worrisome to her mom about her say about her being like well with all the murders going on I don't know what's gonna happen next and Miss Mayfield's like uh girl what like are you good and like they have like a close like close hug it heart uh hug until the cloud starts coming in the clouds roll in it's not her mom it's not her mom it's Vecna this whole time, it's dark. The clothing that she was out drying on, um, like on the line in their backyard, is now um, blood soaked. And her mom, who was hugging her, is now st- stroking her back with with Vecna's nasty long ass claw, and then just like telling her these horrible things about how she's like at fault how she's like broken everything and like her time is like has come your time is almost at an end then like breaks free from Vecna's Vecna's grip by being like let go and she's left fallen on the floor the clothing on the line is no longer blood soaked everything is normal but her mom was never there to begin with fucked up like that's that sucks that we get we get like a genuine moment like with her mom, um, and then it's just like it didn't the actually first, happen. The literal first, there has not been one. Yeah, that's wild. And all of a sudden, she is like back at the she 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 runs back to the runs back to the car, and everybody's like alarmed because she's clearly like distraught and scared. Um, and I believe that it, it had taken a second. Like she, um, um, she was in that Vecna trance. <clears throat> it was longer than 20 seconds. Well, back at Penhurst, um, also fun fact, Penhurst was a real asylum that closed down in 1989. They had many controversies. I thought that was an interesting fact. Uh, anyway, Nancy and Robin try to speak with Victor alone. Uh, Robin slips up. She says the wrong professor name, but it looks like we're in the clear. We're okay. We're fine. Um, and they just kind of let him in to speak with the speak to speak with Victor Creel, and uh, he heads away. It is very spooky in the beginning. They're like, "Don't get near the gate." Um, but as like they start to speak with him, like he doesn't seem like he is a bad guy. Uh, he seems like just as fucking traumatized. Yeah. Extremely hurt. Yeah. And they are like first, like the first thing that they say to him is like, one, we think the thing that hurt your family's back. And two, like, we believe you just to like give them the like, hey, we're good guys type treatment, you know? Yeah. Like we're not reporters. We're, we're really just we, we need your help. 
Exactly. And we do see that uh, Victor Creel, when he turns around to, like, look at Nancy and Robin, that he has, like, he his eyes are not there. They're, like, closed or gouged out or something like that. And it is They're quite shocking shut. to look at. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a, it's exactly. a pretty, uh, it's a stunning sight. But then you see, you know, past, if you see past that, you can see that the Victor Creel is actually played by Robert England. Do you know who Robert England is? No. He was the Did man. Did you know by looking at him? No, I didn't know by looking at him. I have to look this up. Um, uh, and it was also was told like, to me in, in, in little fact videos. This is actually the man who played oh, Freddy okay. Krueger. Uh, very fitting since the season that <laughs> takes heavy, heavy inspiration from Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors. That's funny. And probably extremely on purpose. Oh, yeah, for sure. But just like Sean Astin's uh, uh, exist, uh, existing in the in the series i'm pretty sure as well well after we see uh that his eyes are like scarred shut after he's uh pulled from the dark after he comes out of the darkness uh we hear one of my new new little favorite songs in the season sorry this is not bangers podcast this is not a music podcast this is stranger things podcast argyle he's a coming He's coming to drop off the pizza. Um, to none other than the Byers California home. Well, their only home. Uh, <laughs> um, and we get a little like soft, tender moment between um, Will and Mike. Um, essentially, like Mike is just trying to be like, "Hey, man." you are been in the right like you've you were right to kind of like come for l about lying to me like one i wouldn't want that and two we are besties don't forget it this seems pretty gay it's a pretty gay kiss and makeup i mean it's a pretty gay talking about it. i mean they're ta- they're two <laughs> besties talking about their feelings mike really does just miss his best and friend their relationship yeah and like he and like the apology and like and this whole time will is just like his eyes are shining at michael and this is just something that he's been wanting to hear for months <laughs> oh. and he ends with we're friends best friends and you can see literally well about to shed a tear <laughs> but he's like i i'm not 12 anymore i can't cry all the time <laughs> and then uh they get a, and then uh they get a little ding dong on the door and guess who's here oh that was fast 30 minutes or less oh and then we also see we also see will packing in his bag the painting just about to say the that painting. And, but the that painting but that time. he was working on I, okay what do you think it is what do you think that the painting is I think, you know, I think it is. I think it's their two D and D characters together. That's cute. Will the Wise and whoever the other one is. Oh, whoever. Whoever Mike is. I think Mike is the DM, so I don't think Mike has a character. So I don't know, but I think it is Eleven, Mike, and Will together. (sighs) Okay. They're ready to get out of here. They're ready to go save L. Go to Hawkins, Indiana. But first. Uh, they got to get their pizza and then, like, hopefully yeet out of there with Argyle. So they open up the door. It's pizza time. Just kidding. It's just kidding. time. <laughs> uh, literally just this, like, guy in all camouflage says hello there and shoots the cop who opens the door dead. Um, so now there is only one police officer protecting one, two, three, 
these three kids. Why do I feel yeah. like there was more of them? That's crazy. Same. Sometimes it, it just feels like they're multiplying sometimes. The first time I saw this, I was fucking floored. I did not see this coming this at all. This scene was... A lot of this is quite predictable, I have to say. Like, I, I remember, like... As it was going on, like almost predicting things that were happening and being just like barely off. But this one caught me off guard. This is a full shootout of like the cop protecting these two kids and multiple, um, I don't know who they are, multiple military officers coming in to shoot out, shoot up the house. So I don't know who they're trying to kill. It literally doesn't make sense to me. It, it must be the kids who know stuff or the, the cops who know something. I have I have no idea. Yeah, this scene is like it's super intense and it's actually the whole thing is a one shot. It's a one shot shootout that at the bus. That's my next note. And it's 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 like more intense than anything that's ever happened in the show, but I think that's maybe because of the guns. The guns. It's for sure because of the guns. Um, and we pan out again. We hear the song past the duchy, and we see Argyle pulling up at the buyer's home, pissed. What do you say? There's what does he say? Cur- he said he's an oh buyer's man having a party. Nobody invites me. Buyer's man <laughs> having a party and not invite me. It's real messed up, man. Because he sees all these cop cars in the driveway. You'd think that he would know what a cop car looks like. I think they were unmarked. Oh, yeah, they always are. That's yeah. the thing. They're not. They're never police car. They're like the Illuminati upside down police. <laughs> I, don't, I, never, I never know what to call them. I think like... The I like Illuminati things, like, out, upside down police. The, yeah, they call them like, like the KGB, but I don't think it's that. Like, I think it's like a... I don't know. Um, but finally, our girl takes them away. They speed to his van and he has no idea what's going on. But luckily, he comes to the rescue and eats him out of there anyway. Because clearly his friends are in danger. And the fucking cop is bleeding. Bleeding out. <laughs> and this, in this, the random, this random guy is bleeding out into his car. I will be concerned, too. But we don't know anything else more than that. Um, because we go back to Russia or Alaska. Alaska. They were never in Russia. With Hopper. Oh, who yeah. Who is fleeing on his not jet ski. No, he's gotten off the jet ski. He's found this, like, little... Is it an abandoned town or just an abandoned church? He's, he ends up at an abandoned church. He does. Like, he wa- he goes into... Like, he skis into what looks like a little town. We don't know that it's abandoned, but there's, like, stuff. He sees that there's civilization, so he has some hope. He sees this abandoned church, which he was... I believe he was told to go to. He finds the key under the rock outside, and he breaks in. Thank God. Finally, this man is, like, in shelter. Oh, wow, he's barefoot. Get him some shoes. Get Hop some shoes. Hopefully they have some shoes in this warehouse. Well, they have... A lot of other smuggled supplies. Uh, he opens up a crate and eats peanut butter like a little rat, and I don't blame him. I wish he found, like, a cigarette or something, though. It's the the parallel of him. Uh, it's the parallel of, like, Eleven, like, smug, uh Eating the waffles in the woods. Up in the, yeah, in the woods eating waffles and, like, him, like, curled up in this cold, abandoned church, literally fingering a fucking uh, thing of peanut, peanut butter. butter. <laughs> And back at the prison, uh, Yuri calls, and uh, Enzo, not Enzo, is like, why the fuck are you calling? Like, this did this is real dangerous. And apparently, Yuri tells the guy, apparently There's escaped, been a change of plans. There's been a change of plans. Apparently escaped prisoners and corrupt guards have a really high bounty. Sorry, Enzo. 
they're probably a little bit they cost a little bit more than 40,000 American dollars and at this point we realize that something has gone wrong and honestly Hobbs odds of escaping at this point have probably gone up from 50 to 1 to something much worse yeah it's probably like a thousand or something because you know Hobbs only hope of escape Joyce and Murray have been tricked have been schmeckledorfed and when they drank the coffee, it actually, there was something in it, and they passed out. And Hopper is also found, like, pretty much immediately. He doesn't even get to curl up under his blanket for that long. No, he gets two slices of peanut butter, and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. He gets two spoonfuls, and Joyce and Murray are knocked out, and it's all bad. We don't know what happens next because we are back in Hawkins in the car with um the scooby-doo gang the babysitter and the kids the babysitter and the kids exactly not the full scooby-doo gang exactly to the roan hill cemetery where billy is buried Lucas tries to talk to Max before she goes up to up to Billy's grave. Uh, he knows that she saw Vecna at her mom's, and he wants her to trust him to talk to him. He says, "We're right here. I'm right here. Okay, I'm it's like, here." Like I don't want like a fucking letter. Just talk to me because like I would too. Like he's reaching out as a fantastic friend, and like he just wants to be there for her and it's so it is so heartbreaking to watch this happen like especially to watch her be like just go, just wait in the car like this is only going to take me a second like it's so sad and she does head up to his grave and then we cut back to Penhurst for a little bit as Victor gives his backstory uh 14 years after the war i don't know which one i don't know the math which war is it maybe it's nom We'll say it's not. I don't know. That feels like know. the time. So 14 years after... Oh, no, it was earlier than that. It was in the 50s. Maybe it's the Second World War. We'll call it the Second World War. 14 years after the war, uh, the Creoles get a new house in Hawkins. Um, as they moved in, the youngest one, the boy, sent something was wrong. And they only had a month of peace till there was dead animals outside everywhere and victor thinks this is the spawn of satan everyone's in the family starts seeing visions waking nightmares spiders specifically dead babies on fire the works the works and like this is spooky in itself like we i feel like we don't really we, we haven't really got like because stranger things is already set it, it already is a period piece we don't get a lot of like flashbacks to like specifically eras like the 50s and stuff like that like like it would be really fun to see like a a young like hopper or joyce like in the 70s like that type of stuff uh 60s 70s them doing like beatnik stuff and so i thought that was like really cool but it's so spooky to like get the backstory and obviously we know that it is not a demon but like this man is spooked as hell and it is coming for his family and it all comes to a, a peak uh, this one night while the girls are having dinner. The radio turns on. 
Dream a Little Dream of Me starts playing. The lights flash. The mother is lifted into the air. We see Vecna take her life as he's taken the others that we've seen. Suddenly, Victor is trapped in one of his own memories before he is able to escape his own house. He's in an old destroyed house, uh, one from the war. It was a shilling that he ordered. He was wrong about, you know, them being ref- there being refugees in that house, and he ends up killing a child, and he can hear those screams just, like, echoing in his memories. Uh, he said that he was... And I don't even think we actually have seen the face of Vecna in his visions at any point either. Like no, when, when, no. When, when he when he was... Uh, when when his wife was murdered, like, it was, he just saw, like, her go up into the air and, like, her being, like, chopped. It was no, like, like there... He doesn't... This motherfucker does not know what's going on. He does not know about this Vecna. That, yeah, that, that's a really... That's a really good detail, because, yeah, yeah, the fan, the Creole family did like, not Vecna see the demon show at all. himself to him. Yeah. No, but in in now time, well, in the eighties, in the now times, we do see it. Yeah, good connection, good connection. That'll make sense later, and that will make sense later. And I did not make that connection. Me either until just, just now. now. And I'm glad that I like said it because like now we know to talk about it later. But any hoops while he is like in this trance, he does hear the dream a little dream of me in the background, and it almost. For one second, he thinks it's gonna save him. It feels like an angel, and he gets out of his nightmare but only into a nightmare far worse. He turns around and his children are what he looks to what looks like dead. Yeah. The, the, the daughter is gone, unfortunately. And Henry slips into a coma. His son. And dies his a son. Week, yeah. His son slips into a coma and dies a week later. Uh, Victor then in the asylum tries to take his own so life sad. as well. He's very sad. Uh, going out the same way his family did, trying to carve out his own eyes, but he was stopped. And he clearly survived because here he is with his, um, and it's been years. Like it, it shows in the flashback, him being like just as young as it was, as he was then. So it's been a while since this Vecna has resurfaced. Oh, and he doesn't say much after that. Like he just says like the thing about the coma and the kids dying, and then like, and then the and then starts to hum, hum the, dream the a little song, dream. yeah, dream a little dream of me, and like there's nothing more, and all of a sudden, um, the girls get got. They've been found girls out. Girls get got. They've been found out. We know. Well, now the um, head of Penthurst is aware that they lied to get in, and they gotta get out of here. They're being escorted by the police. Um, we don't see more before we are cut to the grave of Billy. We see Max at Billy's grave. Uh, she's reading the letter she wrote for him. And we get a rundown of what happened to Max's family after Billy's death. Uh, despite the dad being abusive as shit, he left Max's mom because he couldn't be in the same house without Billy. You know, Max goes into all of this and then she says, you know, she can't really tell anyone why Billy is gone. She can't tell him that, you know, she technically saved Elle. And that just has to make it really fucking complicated. Because everyone, you know, you get asked, like, what's wrong? Like, what happened? And she just has to lie. Yeah, exactly. He died in a fucking fire, like... And exactly that, that that makes the 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 seriousness of him so much worse, and like the trauma so much worse is like the, just the fact that she does have to lie and like mm-hmm. 
she also lies a little bit to herself because she says 100%. she does imagine saving Billy, saving his life, and then maybe becoming friends after. She says, I thought that maybe we could try again, but that's not what happened, um, obviously. But, like, that's what you would say if somebody who you were close with but also abused you died. Yeah. Because, like, oh my God. even though he didn't even though he never, ever did anything good or nice for her, and that was made apparent, she's still sad. And she's still traumatized. One, because of the way it happened. It's honestly probably mostly because of the way it happened, but also because, like, she's, he's her brother, you know? Like, and I feel like that that is a huge thing. Like, I've, I've had friends who, like, have had abusive parents die, and, like, it very much like fucks them up and like i i mean i could only imagine and like just the the grief that uh, it hits it, it's gotta it's gotta be really different when like the, the person abused you and the relationship wasn't great rather than somebody who you loved or somebody who you didn't know um and they do a really great job of portraying that she kind of like gets caught in in the death and like what happened and like she says to him like i'm so sorry that like I, I stopped i i didn't know what to do i just i stood there um and like apologizes for that she says i think maybe a part of me died that day too and i think that which is very accurate yeah um i think that definitely <laughs> does also play into what you were just talking about and just the way that like oh, yeah like the loss of someone who's abused you and the way that that trauma affects you. Like I, it's really just, it's and they, she that really has well. to be sad about it too. Like, and like emotionally she is like, it's not like she, it's not like she wants to be happy about it, but like it, it's still death and it's still sad and there's still family, you know, like regardless of like what they did. Like, and she's not, not to mention she's 14 years old. So give Sadie Sinks a fucking Emmy because I, just the way that she was able to pertain, portray all of these layers in this one monologue is just it like this whole from here on out. I have goosebumps for this entire rest of the episode because after, after this like emotional moment, I'm about to start crying. Vecna is here and he's bringing in the fucking clouds. OK, and he's bringing in even worse. Billy. Billy comes into the picture and he's tormenting Matt as well. I'm kind of glad that he showed up oh, because, same. like, this is killer. He needed to. Uh, Steve uh, at the car sees Max sitting at the grave and it's been way too long. Something is wrong. He goes over to Max and he's in the fucking trance. She's in the trance. And uh, as she's in that trance, Vecna is using Billy to torment her and it just hits different after the scene that we just had. It just... it or And when, like, the, the voice of Vecna is not, like, a mysterious voice, it's Billy. And we see Billy in, like, this scary, like, just, like, uh, essentially, like, almost upside down, like, killed version of him. Like, it looks very cool and it looks terrifying and like it's it, I'm, I'm glad that we like got that closure from him like and dicker montgomery iconic actor he killed billy last season it was it was so he literally good. killed billy and, like last the season. death was insane literally <laughs> um and uh, just 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 very good and, and he goes on to just be like like oh so that's why you just stood there like don't lie to me doing some vecna ass shit trying to like make her feel bad and guilty 
Vecna's pulling, kind of pulling out all the stops with Max because, like, she's really fighting it. She's, like, not letting up. She like, knows this isn't real, uh, but he is really cutting deep. Uh, meanwhile, outside of the trance, the boys are trying to wake Max up, and nothing's working. And Dustin runs to the radio to see if Nancy and Robin have figured anything out. Uh, and they have, but they're also being escorted by the police. Uh, but Robin did realize— So, like, they do not answer right away. Yeah, no, it's got to be real panicked for the ones at the— cemetery but eventually they do get there after like literally running away from the people escorting her out um we must mention that the walkie-talkie does have batteries and they reach her they do (laughs) it does it everything everything works uh because by the time uh robin and nancy get to the car uh they're driving away from the police they they just narrowly make it out of there but robin did realize that it's all connected to the music uh because that that's how victor crew was able to come out of it dream a little dream of me uh and she and she tells dustin that um dustin grabs Dustin grabs, like, the whole entire set of uh, cassettes and all, like, the little CDs and music that... Why didn't he just um, grab the backpack? Yeah, I don't know. He just took it. Well, because he just wanted to like, grab it all. I don't know. He just wanted to take it. And he he comes to the crew and he yells at Lucas, what's her favorite song? We don't no have time. context behind anything. We don't have time for that. Just what's her favorite song? <laughs> And then we're back in the trance world. Um, she, Max is every, calling for everyone, all of her friends. She's like, Lucas, Dustin. She's calling for Dustin a lot because they're Dustin besties. so many times. They're fucking they besties. besties. Bestie rights. And suddenly Max finds herself out of the graveyard and into this red demonic world. Uh, hand-like vines coming up from the ground. The ground is drenched. Uh, a broken house stands and the clock floats. It is very much like a very... Like, this is... The air is very much like the upside down, but it's different. Like, it's red. It is... There's a, there's a bunch of spiders. It does feel like there are broken parts of one whole house, but at the same time, there are vines um surrounding bodies that Vecna has taken before including uh Chrissy and Fred she then comes face to face with Vecna and straight up he says you want to join him and she says no and runs um but Vecna clearly has like control of this little world because he literally just like moves his little finger and like a vine comes out and like trips her and like takes her away and tries to like hold her down and like suffocate her it's like literally with just like a flick of his finger and you can I feel like you can kind of tell that this realm like you said is like the upside down but not because as soon as max enters this it's very place, void like like eleven's void almost. yeah but, yeah i noticed that because in eleven's void it's wet and then in in there it's also wet so it might all be fucking connected but because when when max enters there he's like what are you doing in here max as in like as if it's like not how uh- like we're not supposed to be here. Like, like she's supposed to be in her own in her own mind. Makes sense. Rather, not in his. rather not in his. Yeah. Um, wild. And wild. And then all of a sudden we hear, oh, running up that road. Kate, motherfucking bitch. Let's Kate go. They in. found the tape. They put it in her ears. Beneath the clouds, we see like the red open up to see what 
life actually looks like and it is the crew surrounding around her and her raised up into the air with her eyes rolling back at, just like the way fred and chrissy almost died again trying really hard to get max down he's saying everything to get her feeling shitty enough to succumb to him she's like your friends are not going to save you you're not going to be able to get out of this and as this song plays as running up that hill to make a deal with god by kate bush plays we see flashbacks of Max with her friends, Max with Elle, Max with Lucas, Max Mike. even with, Max with, with Mike. And yeah. we get this really amazing little montage of the best moments that she's had with these characters. And that with the strings added to this song, I'm getting goosebumps well, thinking like that, about just it. thinking about it. Me too. My like whole legs are like the herring, the hair on them is standing up, but like, that is so crazy because like it, it it makes sense too because like the memory of like and like the happiness of one the music but two like her friends come like the, the happy memories combined with like the negative ass energy that is Vecna almost like how like Elle needs to think of something absolutely horrible to like use her power it's really cool that like the victim gets to think in this situation it, the the victim is like thinking of something happy to get them out of the out of the strength that is that power um and she does run up that motherfucking hill she makes that deal with god and she does swap their places um and literally swaps places with herself in the uh in the realm with and into the real world um she falls from the sky don't know how that happened um into lucas's arms and Dustin and um, Steve uh, just put their arms on her and like lean over her kind of like that parallel with like a parallel of the first season where they all um, where all like the first season crew did it with Eleven um, after she saved Mike from uh, the bullies at the, the quarry. Cliff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the episode ends and she's safe and she's here. And she just escaped Vecna's curse. Mm -hmm. um, and that's episode four. That This episode, I feel like, is probably the best episode in the season. Um, if this episode is at a 16 out of 10, all the rest of them are anywhere from 11 to 14. Out of 10. Like, they're all oh, like, amazing. Like, you're rating but, it? Like, oh, this one is, like, a plus, plus, plus. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, this is a killer episode. I love it. And there is three more to go. Um, at this point, we have watched um, the full first volume. Um, the second volume is not out. By the time this is out, it might be. But we'll see. No, it, it will be. It will be. No, wait, yeah. will it be? When this comes out, it'll come out tomorrow. Because it comes out July 1st, right? Yes. July 7th? July 1st. July 1st. And then this is episode two, and this one comes out. And this comes out the 30th, 30th. June 30th. So yeah, tomorrow. Out, so tomorrow. <gasps> tomorrow for y'all. Tomorrow or two days after that. I forget how many days June has. 30. So 30. it's 30 and then the first. <clears throat> so tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so like from this point moving forward, like we haven't seen volume two until volume two comes out, I'm pretty sure. 
Um, so yeah, if we make any wrong theories that are wrong, it's because we haven't seen the end of it. But this episode, it may we'll be probably, a Kate Bush I think stand. We'll when we get there. Yeah, that song is good. It went number one for a reason. It is amazing. Give Sadie Sink all the Emmys, please. Did you know that they actually showed this scene to Kate Bush to get her approval on it? Oh, I bet. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I, I, I would want to get her approval that. for Send this. Send me those vids. I just, I can't get over the way that they used the song in the scene. Like, I could talk about it for hours. It, I think it will endlessly give me goosebumps. I... Just think it's amazing. And you'll never be able to, like, you'll never be able to, like, think of it not with Stranger Things again. I, I know. feel that way with so many things. Oh, that's I how I feel I with go? that police song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, Snowball. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, I feel that way with uh, Cold as Ice. Uh, like, that's what played right after she said, I dump your ass. Oh, yeah. Like, da, 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 you don't mess around da. with Jim exactly same thing so like they really like monopolize those songs um and we are monopolizing the second half of your week make sure you <laughs> listen to our regular podcast where we talk about new music and pop culture bangers podcast every wednesday we you can listen to these episodes every thursday and every friday we drop new hits on a playlist for you in the link in all of our bios at bangers podcast on all the things um where can they follow you on all the things tono they can follow me at tono the rapper on literally everything i have music it's t-o and yeah oh the tilde silent we say it out loud and yeah hunter where can they follow you you can follow me at hunter drips on some things and at banes.co on others that's b-a-n-e-s dot c-o um thank you guys so much for listening uh thank you yeah peace out hellfire club club stay hot stay banging and stay i don't remember what strange Sorry, stay strange. I, I was hoping. I think it's stay I hot and stay strange, right? That's what I thought. Okay, I can't remember. I just remember. Oh wait, that. yeah, stay, strange, stay hot, stay strange. That's our new outro. Stay hot, stay strange. Bye, Bye. y'all. <laughs> All graphic design and branding done by Baines.co. All audio sound, mixing, production, and editing done by Antonio Lucero at Tono the Rapper. Intro and outro music done by LSB at LSB Production.